Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, founders, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Tony Bigliore, CEO and founder of Muva, a last-mile logistics platform that's raised over $18 million in funding. Tony, thanks for chatting with me today. Hi, Brad. Nice to meet you. Yes, I'm happy to be here and share with your people here. I'm super excited for this conversation as well. Now, let's kick off here with just a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Okay. I'm an engineer. Then I study at MIT Artificial Intelligence. I'm a serial entrepreneur. And the founder and CEO at Muba, and before I launched it, more than 30 offices in 10 countries, in four companies, and all of them are founder and CEO. So I've been like here forever, you know? And also I play music in some bands, but that's an um, amateur hobby. What kind of music do you play? Rock, piano, guitar, singing, a lot of things. That's awesome. Do you play under a band? Is there anything that we can find online? I will tell you later, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. And Tony, go ahead and tell us where you're calling from today. Yes, we are based in some many countries in Latin America. I'm based in Buenos Aires. What's the tech ecosystem like there in Argentina? Actually, this is one of the most significant things that we have here because we have been, we have like much more unicorns per person, per capita than other countries in Latin America has. Already 12 and growing. So it is a strong one. I have to say it's a strong one. Mercado Libre was born here. This Pegar also global. Many, many unicorns came from here. So it's a good place to, to start a company. That's amazing. When it comes to inspiration, what founder would you say has inspired you the most throughout your career? I really, I'm into Richard Branson because he came from Virgin Music. And then when he sold that one for like a billion dollars, he started right over and created a completely different thing same brand, other thing, which is an airline. And then he went into space, his own Virgin Galactic. So I was really impressed by what he said once. He said that he was walking with his one billion check in his pocket, being the happiest and saddest day of his life because he has sold his very first child. So everything that he's made, you know, he's made impacted on me a lot. One thing I really like about Branson is he really looks like he's having fun and he is enjoying himself. A lot of the other billionaires that are out there, like if you look at Elon Musk, like he doesn't seem yeah. happy. He's not a happy guy. But Branson, you see him like he's smiling ear to ear. You can tell he's loving life and, and having fun. And I, I think that's a really important lesson to learn. It's a great model. You have at least what is known, one life, and he really seems to be appreciating what he has. So really, yes, it's a great model in many things. Yep, totally agree. What about books? And when it comes to books, how we like to frame this, we got this from an author named Ryan Holiday. He calls them quick books. So like an earthquake book. So an earthquake book would be a book that rocks you to your core. It really influences how you think about the world and how you approach life. Do any quick books come to mind for you? I like I'm splitting into kind of each part of my brain receives its own feed, you know, because on one hand, I'm subscribed to Audible and I read or hear about 15 to 20 books a year. And most of them came from business, from the obvious zero to one, exponential organizations, and so on. But a part of them, what I'm really into is into like classical fictional literature. 
like Paul Weil, even Borges from my, my country. And there's so much imagination there that I learned to read that and to enjoy and develop that part of my brain. You know that life is much more than business and you learn a lot into fiction, that there is so much things to think on there. I really like that kind of reading. Totally agree. How I tend to view it is I, I feel like the business books make a lot of sense early on in your career and then just scattered throughout your career, you know, based on a, a very specific topic. But I don't know about you, but for me, at, at a certain point, I just got burned out on business books. It felt like they were kind of saying the same thing and I, I wasn't really learning anymore. And then when I switched to fiction books, I just started to learn a lot more. And I feel like it's indirect lessons that you get from, uh, from those types of That's books. correct. You know that typical business book, for sure, there are some gems out there, but typically you have three concepts within 1,000 pages, which makes no sense. Then in the fiction, it's just the opposite. Like in a line, you say, wow, what is this? And you have to stop and think and see the world in a different way. And that builds your brain and builds your life. So yes, I'm really that into that. Have you heard of the book River of Doubt? River of Doubt? No, I'm just taking it down, so <laughs> writing it down so, to search for it. It's one of my favorite books, but it's about President Theodore Roosevelt here in the United States. He okay. ran office again. He lost. He actually got invited to Argentina to go down and speak in Argentina. So that's what paid for his trip. When he was in Argentina, he said, I need to do something hard. I need to really physically challenge myself. And he decided to go down this river that no one had ever been down and survived in Brazil. Yeah. They went to Brazil, went down this crazy river and you had this like crazy, crazy experience and he did it by choice. Like he wanted the pain, he wanted the challenge and he wanted to kind of push himself over the edge. And that's one of my all time favorite books. And it's a, a really good read. And I've learned a lot from that, that type of book. Amazing, amazing. You know, each individual is alive and there are some, so many people are interested out there. And that even that doesn't make a, a living out of writing. They're just telling out, telling out their experiences and there are a lot of richness there. Yes, agree. 100% agree. Now yeah. let's dive a bit deeper into movement and everything that you're doing there. So how we like to ask this question is we like to talk about the problem. So what problem does MUVA solve? Okay. Well, you know, as we speak, uh, since the last three, four minutes, e-commerce is developing like 24 seven, 365 days a day, a year, beg your pardon. So as it develops, many new packages Many new problems have to be solved. Each and every purchase that we make is a problem to be solved. And the way that this is like solved is through a traditional, I will say 20 or 19 centuries kind of logistics. So what we started doing was to build a technology right from the ground that optimizes different kinds of deliveries, starting with a product that allows real-time routing of packages. What do we do is we tap into a new shot, used capacity from our logistics partners. They have vehicles already on the road. We tackle their capacity and we fill them by packages. We can also reroute shipments as packages are being delivered. So as people are purchasing, we are like sending real-time solution for them through technology. No? This reduces the mileage and emissions compared to the traditional last mile delivery models. And we have been doing this for the last four years in the region. We, we have a, accomplished around 10 million packages just with the technology with no physical assets. So that's the beginning was pretty amazing. And then we learned that the product was strong enough. So we created a second one that is focused on companies that have control or operational assets like fleets. And what we allow them is to have the whole track and managing the asset location and third last mile delivery experience 
Um, I'm happy to say that we have a huge client in USA, which is the largest winery that is, is the first paying customer for this product. So basically what we do is to reimagine logistics, focusing on a, on a world that has to be sustainable, has to make things different. That's basically what we do. Cool technology, non-assets, different problems solved by problems, all through technology. When it comes to this space, you've been in this space for a long time, right? Looking online, I see that you started a logistics company in 1995. You did a tech company in 1999. So you've been in logistics for a very long time. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, my whole life, my whole career has been done in logistics and most of it, like 90% of that as an entrepreneur. So yes, I'm like the, say the expert of the, of the <laughs> if anything like that exists in the vertical. Yes, yeah, you're right. Even I've been in the first internet with the first logistics technology company in Latin America. I've been invested that days by Citibank, Merrill Lynch, so a great, great company. But then, you know, the bubble explodes and we didn't have enough time to, to solve. So I pay back the investors, what was a really singular thing to do, give back most of the money and then close the company because we saw that there was no market out there. They told us this is a great idea too early for this market. So... But now we came back with a stronger one. So we are doing well. What is it about logistics that fascinates you so much? Because if you've been in it your whole career, there must be obviously something there that, that excites you. So that's one part of the question. And then the second part is like, where did that passion come from? When you were seven, eight years old, what was your seven-year-old Tony like dreaming of logistics or where did that come from? No, actually being computer sincere, it makes sense when you when you do something I'm not like into the operational part of logistics, but I am into creating companies adding value from different sides. So each and every company I created was different. One was in cross-border international deliveries. The other one was truck loads with no trucks. There is this technology for e-commerce or technology for truck loads. So being in the industry is an industry that never stops and never and completely and changes every every time if you are like into it, you don't know how much things have to happen for you not to notice what is happening down there. And that's amazing because it's a thing that changes every time. I think that's a, an accurate answer for your question. Yes. Hmm. Super interesting and can definitely see that. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Now, take us back to the early days and those first paying customers that you were able to land. How did you pull that off? That's something that every startup founder struggles with is how do you get people to give you money in the early days? So how'd you get those first customers? Yes, you're right. You know that they say, go ahead, something which that is, I guess, so smart. I really love that, which is first client is impossible. Next 10 clients are Herculean, but then the next thousand, the following thousand are inevitable. So that's exactly what it is. The first one is impossible. You to convince someone to give you their values, their packages, whatever, for a company that doesn't exist, actually. But it was a combination. On one, on one hand, we acquire a very small company of young kids that were already delivering that, that boosts our development many months. At the same time, I had a friend who was distributing beauty articles. It was stuck with a region traditional service. Then I told what I was about to do and he trusts me. Now we have thousands of clients, including global corporations, but I still remember that first meeting in which he said, okay, Tony, I will trust you, do your magic and solve me this problem, which is I've been like trying and trying, and that could be the answer. People go from one from one logistics company to the other, and they're mostly all the same. 
So when they find a, a different, most flexible, even cheaper way to solve the whole thing, they'll really like, try it and they'll then they'll love it. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. And when it comes to the regions that you operate or the countries that you operate, you're all over Latin America, that's correct? Yes, in this very moment, Move is the company with the largest footprint in Latin America. Our technology already covers nine countries from Mexico to Argentina, and we keep expanding. So on the one hand, the first strategy was to be the largest Hispanic American countries, Spanish speaking countries player. And why is that? Even when someone, some other strategies are concentrating in two or three big markets to have some network effects, there is a huge market out there of companies that need regional solves, solutions for their, their deliveries. So the huge corporations are selling the whole region. So at the regional scale, the big enterprises, distributors, corporations are the target lines, and that makes sense. Um, Muais, by far one of the most important companies in this market, even when it's also by far the youngest. We have started operations less than five years ago, and our competitors are here for about 10, let's say. So yes, we are in the whole region, and we plan to keep expanding through technology to many other countries outside of Latin America. How difficult is that to expand into a new country? I'm guessing it helps that sounds like all the regions that you're in are Spanish speaking, but the culture is very different from Colombia to Argentina. I'm sure the rules, the regulations are different. So what's that like as you expand from country to country? Yes. The thing is, as you say, you speak about Latin America, not you, but people speak, uh, yeah, Latin America as it was just one thing. And actually it's not. Each country is different. The only thing that is in common is the language. Everything else is different. So. It's not too different for expand from Argentina to Colombia than Argentina to UK, which is a target marketing, which we are doing our first movements, or even USA. So if you think that, that this is a technology company and all our tech is located in some servers, in, actually in the USA, it is not too different to download it to Bogota, to Singapore, to Connecticut, or to Paris. Uh, you need some local support, and then you can spread the technology out there. Problems are mostly the same, and products are the same. Globally, at least at all the Western part of the world, we have similar things to to deliver and similar bands and drugs, and so the technology is the same. So it's, when you learn how to do, how to expand, it's not that different. Many other founders, maybe because they are less experienced or or don't like to take too much risk, prefer to stuck in a region. I think that is missing a huge part of the of the pie doing so. We are competitive, we have a huge, strong technology, a great team, so we think that we have our right to win in different places. It's not so that different, actually. Do the regulations change from country to country? Like, are the regulations in Colombia different than Argentina? For sure, they're completely different. And maybe they are, they're lighter in some countries in Europe or in some states in USA rather than some countries in Latin America. 
within Latin America and within our markets, there are countries so regulated and countries that are so loose. So yes, yes, they change it. But again, what we do is to provide, we provide technology for the companies or logistics companies that, that deliver. So in that sense, we are not that close to the regulations as the logistics companies are. They are local, they do delivered. What we are providing them is technology to optimize their deliveries. Actually, we are not, we don't have cars or vans that deliver, you know? Mm-hmm. This is pure technology. Our assets is the technology that we have been developing for the right, from the first day. It's 100% proprietary, everything is, is ours, but we don't own vans and cars. So the regulation don't tackle us so hard as the companies with assets suffer, you know? Mm-hmm. What about finding product market fit? Did you feel like you had product market fit right away or was that more of a journey and did that take some time for you to really feel like you had product market fit? Okay, if you think of that, what we are solving is an urgent need because our technology focuses in the most difficult part of logistics, which is same day delivery. Same days to deliver today what the customer purchased today. So when you wake up in the morning, this purchase doesn't exist. And by the end of the day, the deliver has been done. That's hard. So when you efficiently tackle such a need, you have market fit. On the one side, we have the companies that have delivery needs. And who are they? Let's say Nike or Adidas or Mondelez, any company that has a product that those are actual clients for that reason I'm naming them. But any company that has a product that needs to be delivered within the day has an urgent need. And on the other side, on the other part, you have the movers or drivers who are companies that need to fill their vans or individuals that need to add more money to their pockets. So you're joining like an urgent need, a product to be delivered, a van to be filled. On that sense, get immediate acquisition of the product when the product is really good. Then to sell the technology, because I have to say that we don't only not only use our technology, but we also license it. We sell the technology as a license. That's what we did in, in USA and that we are doing in many countries. We license the technology for logistics companies that need this technology. They are experts in delivering. We are experts in technology. So when you acquire the technology, you have much better opportunities. That's a much more like a consultancy sell. You know, that takes much more time. In that case, you need a product-led growth approach so product is, is the king and you have to be have such a solid one. That's how we tackle the, the, the clients. What about growth? Are there any numbers and metrics that you can share today? Well, in revenues, we are growing now and we have been here for four years and now for the fifth year now, we are growing 2x year over year, like 100% growth year over year. So it's a, it's a lot because we are comparing a company that's already delivering for already five years. And that's in reviews and deliveries. What I can say also is that from the pre-seed round to the last one, our valuation has grown 25 times. Both are actual figures. Wow. What do you attribute to that success? I think any founder that's listening in would love to come on and, and say something similar to what you just said. What have you gotten right and, and how are you growing at the, the rate you're growing? What we did right in the, in the very first days was to take our time. We didn't launch right away. We took like six months creating the whole thing, the, the first MVP, and also thinking 
I'm building the strategy. To think and build the very first month makes us go really fast then and not to improvise everything. What we did that day also was to think and build values. Think and build values of growth and improvement. So each and every person of the company was hired on that values and were, was fired because they didn't leave the values. The values are five and all, all of them are called to action, which are painted blue, meaning grow, but we are blue, so painted blue means let's grow, move fast. You know, speed is, a, is an ultimate weapon of a, of a startup. Choose positivity, which is work in a tough environment, but really in a positive way. Build a better way, which is do things differently daily and seek to learn. We need, we search, search for people that want to learn daily and to do things better. So that's what have given us the right to win or to have so many milestones created and so many clients here. We are a really tough group of people working under that values, growth and improvement. As I mentioned there in the intro, you've raised over 18 million to date. What have you learned about fundraising throughout this journey? Well, a lot of things. Uh, I could summarize that in that less is more, less but accurate investors to raise only the money that you need and from the investor who understand your market and can add real value, not just funds, the things that you need to know and you need to learn. And I have to say that to myself, Be, keep focusing on the right investors. That's a great auto advice and advice for everyone. Let's imagine you were starting the company again today from scratch. Based on everything you've learned so far, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give yourself? In my case, I will repeat a couple of things. One was take enough time and then go for it. Time to think, rethink, and for sure, you have to iterate daily. But when you have found the major thing in your mind, it's easier. So once to think everything, like have a good plan, and then in my case, to take your time to search for the best co-founder. In my case, I started the company by myself, then six months after that, my co-founder, who is the CTO and the product guy, I'm the visionary or the business guy, he's the product guy. So I took my time, met with a lot of people, traveled the world, some countries to meet people. And then I, I, I finally closed a great partnership with, with him. He's based in Barcelona, Spain, so it's not the, it was not the easiest choice, but it was the, the best one. Amazing. Now, final question for you. Let's zoom out three or five years into the future. What's the big picture vision here? What are you building? Well, this is the vision. We're trying to turn into the obvious choice for a tech category. The tech category to optimize logistics in an innovative and sustainable way to be the obvious choice. Today, many people are knowing us and they're choosing us. This could be an obvious choice for the future. If you have logistics to be optimized, you have a fleet, you have something to be optimized, this has to be the obvious choice. That's what we are working on and what we are building. I love it. All right, Tony, we're up on time, so we're going to have to wrap up here. Before we do wrap up, if there's any founders that are listening in and they just want to follow along with your, your journey, where should they go? Maybe the best way to start with is in LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'm like Antonio Migliore, or like maybe it says Antonio Tony Migliore, but if you look for Antonio and Muva, Muva's M-W-V-A, that's where you can find us. Even we are a lot, have a lot of pre-releases, so it's not that hard to find us. Maybe. Or this website is Muva.io, like in and out, so it's very easy also. 
Ending with in and out one of my favorites. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. Tony, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. This has been a lot of fun and I've learned a lot from you. Thanks a lot, Brett. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 